I'm so excited to be here tonight, and I'm really excited because I thought that Diana was going to tell her version of why I'm here, and she didn't. So that means I can tell my version of why I'm here, and y'all can all just go with that. But um, what happened was, as Diana said, we run... Where is Diana? Okay, just so when I talk about you, I can look at you. Um, But you don't come up here because you don't have one of these on your ear. Um, When we met, when um, Diana and I run, like we said, as many times a week as we can, and for those of you who spend a lot of steady time with the same person, we run for about an hour. And so if you run that much together, like you've already said everything that happened yesterday, we're like, what did you eat between six and eight? Because we've already pretty much talked about everything else, but Rob's always laughing because we can run and run and run and still have something we, and then call each other on the way home for something we forgot to say. So anyway, we were running and she said, oh my gosh, you're not going to believe it. Dowd Simpson's father-in-law is in hospice and they've called them all to come. And, you know, I don't know what we're going to do. I think we're going to have to postpone the event. So, um, you know, those cartoon things where there's like a bubble over your head. Like I just was imagining my mind, like the bubble over Diana's head would say something like, come Lord Jesus, show us what to do. (laughs) But the bubble over my head would be, what about the fried chicken? (laughs) What are we going to do? So I said, well, I don't really feel, I said, well, gosh, you know, I feel like everybody will be so disappointed. And I just don't feel like I left my group ready to be done before the Christmas party. And I think we should keep on, you know, working on it. And Dinah was like, well, you know, I really feel at peace. I mean, let me just say a little something about Dinah real quickly. Y'all have no idea how much time, how invested she is in each one of you. She knows every girl. She knows where she went to college. She knows which group she's in. She literally lives for y'all. I mean, she prays for y'all all the time. So she was like, yeah, I feel good. I feel at peace about not doing it. And I was like, well, I'm certainly not going to argue with God or Diana. So I was like, okay. <laughs> so... And I was thinking, well, maybe I can get Kentucky Fried or something. <laughs> so we go home, and we get ready. We run, and we talk about all this other stuff. We get ready to get in our car, and Diana says, you know, I think what we ought to do, let's just pray about it. You pray about it, and I'll pray about it, and I'll get a couple other leaders to pray about it. And let's just really think, okay, what, you know, who else could we get? Who would be a great speaker? So I'm like, okay, well, that's good. All right, bye-bye. And so I get in my car and go home and, you know, go through my regular day. And then that night before I go to bed, I'm, like, thinking, okay, I really need to pray about this because I'm going to see Diana in the morning. And she's going to ask me if I prayed about it. And I, I try not to just flat-out lie. So... I'm going to have to pray about it. So I'm lying in my bed thinking, Lord, Lord, please send the right person. I know you know the right person. This will be the person who will really speak to the girls. And I'm just going to leave this in your hands. And I put my anti-aging cream on. And I'm just going to go to bed. So I did. I went to bed. I woke up the next morning. And I'm a real early riser because I go to bed early. I wake up real early. And this was the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. And we were going to Somerville to visit my family. And so my mind was like, you know, a million other places. So at 7 o'clock, Diana texts me and she goes, are you up? Can I call you? 
And I thought, well, gosh, what has happened? So I was like, yeah, you know, I might just call me. So she calls me and she says, oh, my gosh, you're not going to believe it. But in the middle of the night, someone's name came to me. (laughs) So, So I'm like, who is it? And she's like, it's you. (laughs) So this was my reaction. This is our, and I'm not going to show, I am going to show a couple of pictures of our grandchildren, but this is only one of three. Um, So anyway, this is our our middle grandson, Sammy. He looked like this, like for the whole first 18 months of his life. (laughs) So we were actually, and you all who are shoppers will appreciate this. We were in the TJ Maxx dressing room. His mother was trying to unclose him. We were looking in the mirror, and he kept looking like that. So I thought, well, I'm just going to look like that too. So anyway, that's how I felt when Donna said that. She said, is she you? I was like, oh, well, that's, I said, well, let me think about it. Let me pray about it. Let me talk to Rob about it. And so, you know, I hung up the phone. I said to Rob, oh, my gosh. What do you think I should do? And he said, yeah, I really think you should do it. We really prayed about it. And then I thought, okay, if I think for a really good reason, a biblical reason, I will not have to do this. (laughs) So I was like, okay, one, I don't want to be compared to Dowd Simpson, not biblical. (laughs) Two, I just don't want to do it, not biblical. Three, what will I wear, not biblical. (laughs) And so I was like, well, there's really no reason that I would not do this that is not either prideful or selfish. So um, I'm no doubt Simpson, but I'm all you got. So we're just, I'm going to talk to you. Thank you. I'm going to talk to you um, a little bit about just my life, what God's done in my life, I, what the gospel has done for me and what God's done in my life. And um it's just, I, I hope that, it, I hope that I'm just going to put it out there because I put on your um, card, and we'll talk about this a little later. One of my favorite verses is the Esther verse that you have, and the verse says, perhaps you were born for just such a time as this. And I've said to my girls a million times every day, I pray that God shows me my people. Who are my people that you want me to minister to? Who are my people who need a kind word from me? Who are my people? So I just felt like, you know, I know God knew I was going to be doing this tonight. And I know God, I have never once done something I know God wanted me to do and had him not show up. So I'm, I'm just, I'm real excited to see what he's going to say. So we'll just move on with that. Um, one of our um, main things that we talked about this year was was the desire that we had as leaders for our girls to know and be known, to be vulnerable, to be transparent. You know, there's so many things in the world that that require us or we put the pressure on ourselves to be perfect and act perfect. And especially I feel like I feel real badly for y'all sometimes with Instagram and Facebook and everything's got to be just so and you know all the pictures of food that you eat and you know all that kind of stuff and you're like that's just really exhausting I would literally if I had to put take a picture of everything I ate in a day I wouldn't be able to get anything else done but um so I just want to be real vulnerable with y'all tonight and just kind of share some of the things that have happened in my life because I think it's so easy and so human of us to think that everybody else has it all together except for us and to compare. And so I want to talk about control and comparison and just some of the things I feel like we all deal with all the time. So I want to start with part one. 
that's his full look. Okay, that's little eight-year-old me. Um, and um, that was a real pivotal year for me. So I'm going to talk a little bit about that. Um, I grew up in a Christian home. My mom was, is a really beautiful Southern belle. She has, if you think I have a Southern accent, you should talk to her. She has such a Southern accent and she grew up in a really, I grew up in Somerville. She grew up in Somerville and that's where a lot of her family is. And I don't know if y'all know where that is, but it's right outside of Charleston, about 20 minutes outside of Charleston. And it's kind of like, are y'all Friday night lights fans? It's kind of like that. You know, it's kind of like the football's the whole thing, you know, that everybody goes to it. That's like the big thing. So it's a, it's a, a, a small town and my mom was from there. My dad was this big 6'4 um, quarterback at PC when they met. So my mom and dad got married, both from Christian homes, and um, about, I guess, and had me, and then 13 months later had my brother, and I guess that was just too much, so she never had any more. So that was that. And so um, when my I guess I was about five or six. You know, obviously, I don't really remember all of it. But I was about five or six. My dad started to exhibit some bizarre behavior. And after about a year or so, he was diagnosed with um, a, a, a mental illness called, um, let's see, what's it called? It's like paranoid schizophrenia. And if you don't know what that is, and I certainly didn't know what it was, it's something that exhibits itself normally in young adults. And it um, manifests itself in delusions and hallucinations, in our, and in our case, physical abuse. So it was a very unsafe, unhealthy place to be a child. So that was me. That was eight-year-old me, and that was about the time that this was happening. So finally it got to the point where, and I remember, like, we didn't bring anybody home because you didn't know what you were going to find. It was a real shameful secret, you know, that you just didn't really want people to know. And so uh, finally my mom decided that it was dangerous for us to be there. So I remember we sneaked away in the night with a friend of hers and went to live with my um, mom's parents in Somerville. And... It was, you know, I I remember feeling really afraid and weak and insecure. And, you know, I have such a heart for children whose families aren't what we think that families should be because that was my reality. So we moved in um, with my grandmother. And how many, if y'all, any of y'all ever heard of something called a sleeping porch? Like, it's a real southern thing. Like, my grandmother had this big sleeping porch, and they were in summer. It was my mom's parents. And I have a lot of family there, her brothers and sisters and cousins and things. And in a sleeping porch is basically just what it sounds like. It's just a bunch of beds in a big room. So um, we would lie there at night when we went there. And I was in one single bed, and my brother was in one single bed, and my mom was in this double bed. And I would lie there at night, and I would listen to my mother cry. And she would, every night, she would, you know, she would act real brave during the day. And then when she would get in the bed at night, I would listen to her cry. And my brother was younger than me, so he was asleep. I mean, he didn't know. So I was just, I would lie there and I would think, I remember one night thinking, I am all alone. I, you know, this is going to be up to me. And y'all, this is so crazy. This has only happened to me two times in my life of being a Christian. I felt the presence of God. I was eight years old. That was me. And I 
I knew that God was there. And I knew that I was not alone. And I don't know how to explain it to you or how to make it more um, for you to really understand what that felt like. But I knew who it was. So I learned two things at eight years old that I've carried through me my whole life. One is, and I can say this to you with no hesitation, God is real. And the second thing was, I really hate to be out of control. So for those of you who have control issues, come on over here with me because I I am the queen of control. Um, So I learned those two things and I moved forward in life that way. This is where, and we've studied so much today, I mean, this this semester, about God's redemptive powers. And God never leaves one of his children in that situation. So what happened was my mother's mother, my grandmother, was literally, from the minute I got there, she poured unconditional love into me. I was the most beautiful. Now, y'all, I was not that cute. I was the most beautiful girl. I was the smartest. I could do anything I wanted. She would stand. My mother, who was, you know, understandably real worried about me and my brother and what was going to happen if we were going to be okay, I would say, now, bear in mind that I was about, I don't know, maybe 25 pounds less than I weigh now, and I was the same height, so I really wasn't that cute. I had my hair parted down the middle and like this long, but everybody else did too. And my grandmother literally was in the people business. She loved people, and she was one of those women, one of those. So I keep kind of wondering because I'm a grandmother now, and I'm thinking, when am I going to let loose and do this? Like she wore one of those. Remember those things that were called models coats, and they snapped in the front, and you wore them. And she was real bosomy, and she would like get you in the middle of those things and hung to you and you just were like this is awesome I mean you felt so loved she just made you feel so loved and she made a home for us where I would come in from school and there would be cake and we'd come I, she would sit at the table and read spelling words call out spelling words and more and more and more she just poured into me what it means to be unconditionally loved I mean I could literally do no wrong and this is one point I'm hoping there's some things y'all will take away from this tonight and that's what I've really been praying about do not think you cannot love somebody into being the person God wants them to be it may not, some of you, oh, most of you are not grandparents, but you've got somebody in your life who needs your unconditional love. And you can pour that into somebody, and with God's power, you can change. My grandmother, I totally believe, changed the course of my life. I say things to my children, I say things to my grandchildren all the time that she said, but all she did was love me unconditionally. So she loved me um, to the point that I... Well, there she is. All right, there's my grandmother. Don't I look cute? Um, We were at a wedding, somebody's wedding in my family. So that's my grandmother. And you can see she's pretty bosomy. And she looked a lot like Aunt B, really. So I'm thinking, I'm I'm pretty sure my grandmother here was younger than I am now. So I'm like, well, I don't know when we're all going to let loose. But anyway, (laughs) that, that was her. So she loved me into believing that I could do anything I wanted. 
the, um, which was awesome. But I continued, y'all, with my need to. I read some stuff about this today, in fact, about children who grow up in homes where the, it's not a secure situation. And so I, what I thought was, okay, my family's been shamed. This has been bad. There's, you know, I, it's up to me on my little eight-year-old shoulders to bring honor back to this family. So I will achieve. I will get the best grades. I will do, you know, I will be the beauty queen. I will be, I will get a scholarship. I will do all of these things. And I mean, I was happy. I don't want you to think that I wasn't, but always I had that drive where I had, to, I couldn't just be, I had to be something. So here I am being Miss Somerville High School, which is nothing to sneeze at. Cause like I said, I was not that cute. I mean, <laughs> I was good with achieving all the scholastic stuff and all this stuff, but these beauty pageants were hard because I was not that cute. So I had to really put something out there to show that. So I would just continue, like I said, carrying on not fully accepting the fact that I didn't have to do that to be who God wanted me to be. I did not have to do that, but that was something I was putting on myself. I hadn't totally surrendered to God the things that had happened in my life. So fast forward to the next part of my life. So I go on to high school. I graduate. I was a senior in high school here. I graduate from high school. I really, really wanted to go to Clemson. But at that time, and it's been a while, I really, there was literally nothing I could do there. I didn't want to be a teacher. I didn't want to be a nurse. I didn't want, I really wanted to be a journalism major. And as you know, USC had just an awesome journalism school. So I went to Columbia and I went to school there and I had a great time, continued to achieve, went there on a scholarship, you know, continued to achieve, achieve. But I, we had such a good time. I made some of the best friends I've ever had there. And I was dating a guy there, and about, I don't know, maybe six weeks before we graduated, we broke up. Well, of course, I was just devastated, thought, oh, my gosh, you know, this is just terrible. And I think, in retrospect, obviously, God was going, seriously, you have no sense. You cannot marry this person. I have, seen, I have so much, someone so much better for you. So... Right before we gra- I graduated, a friend, a mutual friend of Rob's and mine introduced us. We met on a blind, the only blind date I've ever been on. We dated for six months. We were married within a year, 39 years. So <laughs> we've been married 39 years. So God, I really, in 1978, God provided me with the man, with the man who was meant for me, the man of my dreams. So he is everything I'm not. He's, you know, he's a prayer warrior. He's patient. He's kind. He's, you know, he, he's everything the opposite. I'm like impulsive. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? He's like, I think it's going to be fine. So, I mean, it really, like I said, that, that was just such a gift to me. And we, and then God um, gave us four children. That, so I, then I had the family of my dreams, and I had my youngest child when I was 38 years old. And, y'all, that doesn't seem that old now, but that was really old. And, like, people were shocked. And so, <laughs> but it took, me, like, it took me about six years to talk him into it. So we had two boys and two girls. And so, you know, I just thought all I wanted when I was going through, you know, my own unstable childhood, all I wanted was to give, have a family and give them the stable home that I, I had not had of my own. So, oh, there's Rob. I keep forgetting the clip this. There he is. 
And then here, all right, so here's my family. So um, this is um, Aunt Kid on the, well, I don't know. I can't tell. We all just figure it out. Anyway, <laughs> two boys, two girls. That's Rob. That's me. And so um, anyway, we, um, we, that, this picture really represents one of the happiest times of my life. We um, lived in this house for 17 years. I love my family. We, I literally, y'all, this is really showing my age, but we went, uh, we would go, I'm, are these lights making me look bad, Evan? Can you? Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> um, we, poor Evans, he's trying. Um, we, um, real, I would go in my kitchen at four o'clock in the afternoon. I always had a little something going on. I've always loved having, you know, working and having something going on. I have a lot of energy. So, but I would go in my kitchen. I'd get everybody home. I'd go in my kitchen at four o'clock in the afternoon and start watching Oprah. Do y'all, any of y'all remember that came on at four and I would start cooking this big meal. Like we would have everything. We had like a meal like this every night and we would sit down, you know, the children would come home. We'd sit down and eat a big dinner and say, what was our best thing that happened that day? What was our worst thing that happened? It was awesome. And um, it was just such a, I just, I, it was just such a happy time for me. And, um, but we, you know, we were really, um, we lived in a very affluent part of town. And there was a lot of, I wouldn't say pressure, but just the expectation was that we would have, you know, we would belong to a country club. Our children would go to private school. You know, we would have certain things. That's just kind of the way it was where we were living. And I don't want y'all to misunderstand. I'm not saying any of those things are bad. It was just that that's what we were all doing. So um, financial Issues were hard. I mean, if you have four children and they all need shoes, you're like, you're just going to really need to wait till Christmas to get those. <laughs> and, you know, in really looking back, some of those things were so great because if I could have given my children every single thing they wanted the minute they wanted it, I would have. But I think that, again, was God's providence. I mean, there's nothing wrong with working for what you need. And, and our children, you know, learned that. And we, you know, like for us to go to McDonald's, like all six of us was like $60. We're like, we're not going to McDonald's. I remember one time we went to the, um, we went to the country club where we belonged and my children were young then. And I think that to get a Coke, like the size of your, our soft drink, the size of your uh, cup, was like $2, and, you know, you just signed for it. Of course, you didn't pay, and you just signed for it. It was like $2, and so I bought one of those two-liter Cokes, you know, and I said, this was really smart of me when I think about it. So I showed it to my children, and I said, okay, look, we can get this for $2, and we can all have some, or we can get one of those for $2, and one of you can have some. And it was so funny, y'all, because my children would go to the country, they'd be like, those people are so stupid. You know? <laughs> like, I know. They're getting, those, they're getting those little tiny Cokes for $2. So, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. 
um, during that period of time, I had been doing like a lot of freelance writing, and I'd had all these different careers. I love a good career, don't you? But I would, like I had, at one point, I had an agent who booked things for me, and I went around just speaking all over the place. I've owned a women's clothing store. I had a clothing line at one time. You know, I did like a lot of freelance writing, and so... One of the places I wrote for was the Greenville News, and I wrote a weekly column for them really for like 15 years. It was so great because I would just sit around in my sweats and go, y'all need to wear boots and this and that, and nobody knew, you know, what I looked like. So I had one good picture (laughs) I would just show. So that was really great, but... um, In the course of that, I ended up having the opportunity to start a magazine at, at, you know, Talk Magazine. And they were like, oh, you can name it and everything. I was like, all right, well, I do this all the time. I'll be glad to do that. So, um, you know, it's a really high-profile job. So I was doing all that. That's kind of what was going on. Two of our children had gone to college. And then in in December 2004, um, Rob started not feeling that well a couple days before Christmas. And I mean, I hate to admit it now, but I was like, seriously, can you just do this another time? Because this is really not, not going to work. And so um, he, you know, we were like, okay, well, whatever. So he um, just kept feeling worse and worse. And then right after Christmas, like his fever went up to like 105. And he was like kind of having like these seizure type things and everything. And we kept going to the doctor and they kept saying, oh, you probably have the flu. And Anyway, to make a long story short, he got really sick and ended up having this infection that had been previously undetected and was in the hospital for every time I tell the story, Rob's like, that is not what happened. But anyway, it was a real, real long time. And he was in the hospital and he, um, we, that became a, a real, he worked for himself had his own he's a lawyer and now mediator so he had his own business so during this period of time no income was coming and I was not working and I was you know home with the kids and so um our financial problems just grew and grew and grew during this time and it's so ironic because I of course talk is I don't know if you're familiar with it but it's like a city magazine and the whole it's it's highly targeted toward people with high discretionary income So I was presenting myself as representing this magazine that was for the people who had the best of the best. And I was wondering if I was going to be able to stay in my home. So um, what happened was after a period of time, it just became apparent that the only thing we could do was sell our house. And y'all, I thought it was going to kill me. I loved that house. And, you know, that was everything I wanted for my children. I wanted a stable home, and I wanted that lifestyle. And, oh, I forgot to say, I was president of the Junior League. Of course, you can't be surprised that surprised by now that that's what I had done. So, I mean, I was really out there. And so not only did we have to sell our home, but we couldn't afford to buy another home, so we had to rent a home. So we... It was, I can't even tell you how devastating it was. I mean, when I think about it now, I think, wow, is that such a big deal? But it was just meant so much to me. It was, it was security to me. So we packed up everything we had. We sold our house. We moved into a rental home. And we moved five times in the next six, six or seven years. 
we moved and we moved and we moved because we'd move in a house and then they would say, oh, we're going to sell it. And we couldn't afford to buy a home. Y'all, who can't afford to buy a home? I mean, it was, I was, it was so shameful. It was so sad. And I just kept thinking, where? I mean, I shook my fist at God so many times during that. And I kept trying to make it okay. I would fix the houses up. We had one of Rob's brothers. Rob's one of four boys. And one of his brothers owned this fabulous home over by Greenville Country Club. And it, like, had tennis courts and all this stuff. And it had been on the market a couple of years. So he said, well, you know, I will rent that to y'all. Why don't y'all move in there? And I thought, well, this is great. You know, if we're not going to own a home, it's great to be in this mansion with a tennis courts. So we moved all our stuff in, and I hung all my art around. Y'all, it sold in two weeks. <laughs> I was like, this is really not amusing at all, God. And so, oh, it was just, it was so hard. But, you know, all during that time, you know how we use that word sanctification? We throw it around all of the time and act like, oh, everybody knows what sanctification is. Y'all, God was literally changing my heart, making me so that my heart, y'all, my heart is so big now, and it wasn't. I had an expectation for my life, and it was hard, and I was tired of it. I was so tired from trying to be that that expectation. And you know what? Do y'all ever do this? This is kind of embarrassing. But, like, I'll say to myself when I'm at work, I'm like, okay, you can eat lunch when you do this. Like, I say that in my mind. And then I'm like, I'm really hungry. And I'm like, no, you can't. I'm like, why? (laughs) Why would you put that expectation? Like, if you said to me I'm hungry, I'd say eat lunch. You know, but to myself, I'm like, you can't. So my expectation for myself was just so high. And we kept, in the meantime, while this was going on, we were like, where are we going to live? And so we're driving by this little house, this 1,300-square-foot house every day from where Rob's, this mansion where Rob's brother lives to where we needed to go to work or whatever. So we're driving by this little house, and it has a for rent sign in front of it. And we're like, we cannot live in there. It is too tiny. So we're like back and forth, back and forth. And this house just keeps being there and just keeps being there. It gets closer and closer. The irritating people have bought the house are over there walking around. And so we're like, we're going to have to move. So we we go and look at this little house, and we decide, okay, we can we can live here. So uh, we moved to 52 Club Drive. There's the living room. Look how much stuff I have crammed in there. That's pretty impressive, isn't it? That's the living room where we live now. And after two years of renting it, we we're homeowners. So we are we and we love our house. Our house is just perfect for us. And during the time that we live there, three of our four children have lived with us. Two of them have gotten married. Two of them are graduated. And we cram in there. Our grandchildren come. We stuff in that little tiny house. And, I mean, we're so happy there. And, y'all, what's so ironic is I still am working at Talk. And even today, I went in a home. I don't know. It kind of like it was like Haywood Mall. I was like, when does this even end? I mean, it was like on and on and on. And we were like taking pictures over for talk. And they were like, we have another floor. I was like, oh, man, you know, can I just get something to drink before we go in there? I mean, but you know what, y'all? You know that how amazing Grace is? My chains are gone. I've been set free. Y'all, I'm so free. I don't care. I don't care if they get a pool for their dog in the kitchen. I don't care. I mean, it means nothing to me. I mean, I'm, I, would I like a bigger house? Heck yeah. If I get one, I'll get y'all to come over. 
But I mean, I don't need that to be who God wants me to be. I don't need that, and you don't need that either. You think you do, and I hung on to it. You know that thing? Have you ever seen that thing like, I don't know, maybe it's on National Geographic or something, but it's those monkeys that stick their hand in a jar, and they're so hanging on to something, they starve to death because they won't let it go to get their hand out? Am I the only person that's ever seen that? Okay, thank you. Anyway, they do it. And, you know, sometimes I feel like that's what we do. We just hang on to something in that jar. We won't let it go for God to give us what's better because we just think that's what we have to have. And, I mean, really and truly, I'm not kidding you. I'm so happy, and Robert and I are always laughing about it because... We are just, if we can just get, um, in my group, last, I'm always like, you know, 52 Club Drive. Um, you know, it's just like we're so happy to crawl in our bed at 52, in our little bedroom at 52 Club Drive. And that's where our home and that's where we live. And if everybody else gets a big house and blows it up and builds it, that's, I'm happy for them. I don't, I'm happy for them. But I don't need that. And that's so freeing and the comparisons we make with what other people have and what we think we need to have to make us happy. Y'all, God knows what we need. We just are the ones who get in the way. He wants to give us the best that we have, and he, we're the ones that get in the way. Um, I'm going to wrap this up. I do have a few pictures of my grandchildren. You didn't think I was going to get up here and not show pictures of my grandchildren. <laughs> but... Um, Y'all, God is such a bigger God than you can imagine. And I love that verse of Ephesians 3.20 where it says God will give you so much. Well, this is me paraphrasing, but God will give you so much more than you can even ask or dream of. And y'all, all I wanted, all I asked God for when I was that little eight-year-old girl in that little sleeping porch, I just wanted two scrawny little children and a husband who would love me. And you want to see what God gave me? Look what God gave me. I wanted two children and a husband. And these are my four children, their spouses, and two of my three grandchildren. How, who would even, what little eight-year-old girl in a sleeping porch would even ask for that? But that's what God had for me. So much better than I could even ask for. Um, all right, that's my, <laughs> for those of y'all who know my son T, that's my younger son. He really has a good sense of humor. And he, that's, that's what he wore for Halloween, and that's my latest grandchild, Winnie. I didn't even see her at first. He sent that to us, and I was like, oh, gosh, he's dressed up for Halloween. But that's, that's um, my latest gift from God. That's Winnie. She does look kind of shocked all the time, too. I'm hoping she's going to probably grow out of it. Um, okay, and here are my, these are my um, two oldest grandchildren, and that's Sammy with the lollipop in his mouth, and Gracie on the right. And my oldest daughter, Anne, the one who's 37, I'll just give you all a moment to guess how old you think I am, but my oldest daughter is 37, and these are her children. And Gracie, when she, or Anne, my oldest daughter, had a baby before this, who lived for one week. And then she had, she named her children Grace, obviously, and Sam, which means I prayed for this child. And these are her children. And, y'all, I am just enjoying so much pouring into these children. And those of you who have grandchildren know who that is. But I remember we were in the hospital with Rip, her, old, her first child. 
And they told us, we were in the hospital, and they told us they were going to take him off of life support. And so he was, we knew he was going to die the next day. So I left the hospital that night, and Ann and Park, her husband, were going to their house. So I thought, well, I'll just give them a little bit of time. I wasn't there yet. No, None of our family was there yet because we didn't know that was going to happen then. And I went into a grocery store because I thought, well, I need to get stuff because people will be coming over. And, you know, so I went in there because I really just, you know, didn't know what else to do. And, y'all, I remember so clearly, and this has been almost seven years ago, I remember walking in that grocery store and walking around so heartbroken and devastated and thinking, how can these people be just walking around like it's normal life? Look at all these people just laughing and talking and, you know, getting cokes and acting like everything's fine. And, y'all, I cannot tell you every time I go to the grocery store, I think, Lord, show me the person with the broken heart. I know there's somebody here because I've been that person. And, y'all, that sanctification, how can you know if God doesn't show you? How can you know? And, y'all, my whole purpose in coming here tonight, besides the fact I couldn't think of a biblical reason not to, <laughs> is because, y'all, I know God sent me here tonight to say something to somebody. And I don't know who or I don't know what, and I just hope I said it. But there's somebody at your table who has a broken heart. You're going to see people in your life. Y'all, we are the light of the world. God's made my heart so big, so big in a way that it never would have been like, I love y'all. Like when I see one of the Radiance girls somewhere, I'm like jacked up. I'm like, this is awesome. Y'all, Diana, I have to, I can really get off on a tangent. So I'm going to just say this real quickly. I was at the ham house one day with my family and with Kit, our youngest daughter. And I saw this girl coming toward us who looked like y'all's age. And she was all smiling and everything. So I like leapt up out of my seat and hugged her and everything. And she was kind of going, hey. And so <laughs> Kit was behind me. And what I didn't realize that she was in Kit's right. I'd never seen that girl in my life. <laughs> Kit's going, why did you do that? And I was like, I thought she was radiant. <laughs> but sorry. <laughs> I literally threw her down. So, um, I've never seen her again, but, um, y'all, we are the light of the world. It's not just me. I mean, God has, there are people at your table with a broken heart. There's somebody at your table who almost didn't come tonight because they thought nobody would talk to them or they didn't feel comfortable. There's somebody at your table who had something so awesome happen to them today and they don't want to brag. So they're not telling anybody. But you are the one. When you look at your cards that you have there, you look, that's one of my favorite verses. Perhaps you were born for just such a time as this. And I really want y'all to go home. And Lord knows, I wish I could sing, but I'm going to do everybody say I cannot. So I'm not going to sing, but I want y'all to really listen to. It's so awesome how God works. Because after I'd said okay to Dinah to do this, I went to um, our contemporary service in here on Sunday. And they sang that hymn that says, Here I am, Lord. Is it I, Lord? I've heard your people cry. You know, I've heard you calling in the night. I'll hold your people in my heart. And I think, you know, that's what we're called to do. We're not called to be the best speaker or the best singer or the best person. We're just called to say, here I am, God. I'll go if you lead me. 
You just show me where to go. Show me my people. And that's what I tell Gracie. Y'all, it's so, and this is the last thing I'm going to say, but I hope. But anyway, she, I'm trying to wind this up. She said, um, Grace, I'm teaching Gracie. She's five, and I'm teaching her. I'm having such a good time because I'm teaching her to say a lot of Southern things. And she, um, she'll she say, well, it's more than one way to skin a cat. <laughs> I just love it. And she'll say, I swanny, I don't know why. <laughs> and her mother's like, would you seriously stop doing that? But I just think it's so cute. But the other thing that I have taught her, the other thing we talk about all the time, I'll say, Gracie, when you wake up in the morning, you pray for God to show you your people. Show you which, show you which people need a kind word, which people just need a smile, which people need your help. And then when you go to bed at night, you thank God for those people because those are your people. So I just really want to encourage y'all as we get in our hustle and bustle and everything else, look for your people. They're, your people are there, and I'll never see them. Dinah will never see them. Shelton will never. We'll never see the people you see. Those are your people. Thank you.